Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Nicodemus is in the dark, not just because it's night. He's perplexed and a bit concerned because while in Jerusalem for the Passover feast, a lot of people saw the miraculous signs that Jesus was doing, and they were causing quite a stir. So Nicodemus comes to ask Jesus, what's going on here? Who are you? Jesus' reply confuses him even more. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again, or born from above, as our translation just read says. Huh? Nicodemus is in the dark. All his learning and status as a Pharisee is no help with this rabbi. Who can be born a second time? Who can return to his mother's womb? What does the Holy Spirit of God have to do with my physical birth? And then Jesus reminds Nicodemus of a story in Scripture that he has known all his life. Jesus says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. A ray of light enters Nicodemus's mind. He remembers that story in the book called In the Wilderness, in the Hebrew language, called Numbers in the Greek language. He remembers that story. He learned as a boy how Moses led his enslaved people out of Egypt. He had learned about the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. He had heard over and over again about the grumbling and complaining of the people as they traveled through the wilderness, the desert of Sinai. We have no water. We have no food. Take us back to Egypt. He had learned how Moses cried out to God, what should I do? These people are driving me crazy. And how God said to Moses at Horeb, take your staff and the elders as witnesses, go to that rock over there, strike it with your staff, water will flow. Moses did what God said and water flowed from the rock. Nicodemus also remembered that nearly 40 years later, the next generation of Israelites complained again to Moses. They're still out there wandering in the wilderness. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness, this desert, that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs or grapevines or pomegranates. And there is no water. Why did you bring us here? Remembering that part of the story, Nicodemus remembered how he was a kid in Hebrew school. He always got kind of hungry, all that talk about figs and grapevines and pomegranates. Anyway, (laughs) that's actually me remembering how whenever they talked about the Mount of Olives in Sunday school, I got hungry because it was coming on lunchtime. I just, that's me. That's not really Nicodemus. But it could have been Nicodemus. Okay. (laughs) Nicodemus remembered how frustrated Moses was again and how patient and calm God was, again, God said to Moses, take your staff, gather the people together, 
speak to that rock over there before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. And he remembered how Moses, still frustrated and angry with the people, yelled at them and said, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? And how he raised his arm and struck the rock two times, not one, but two, and how water gushed out and all the people and all their livestock drank. Nicodemus had always wondered, why did Moses hit that rock two times? God had said, speak to the rock. Was Moses angry, just out of control? Or was he afraid that just speaking wouldn't work? I mean, before he had to use the staff and hey, that maybe he had to use the magic staff to... Moses kind of lost track of the fact that you just do what God says at the moment. His word is trustworthy. Then it all came rushing back to Nicodemus. God told Moses to lift that bronze snake on a pole because of the attack of the poisonous snakes that came when the wandering Israelites had complained yet again a third time to Moses and to God, there's no bread, there's no water, and we detest this miserable food that you've sent us from heaven. You know, that man and those quails, they're not good enough. We want pomegranates and figs. All, came, all this came back to Nicodemus as he heard Jesus say, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Now that third time the Israelites complained, venomous snakes attacked them. Many were bitten and died. Now the people begged Moses, tell God to take the snakes away. So Moses prayed, but the Lord did not take the snakes away. Instead, he said to Moses, make a snake, put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. Moses made the bronze snake, put it on a pole, and when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked up at the bronze snake, he lived. Just look up and live. Nicodemus thought, now this strange young rabbi is beginning to make sense. His God and my God, the God of Israel, does not enable this rabbi Jesus to perform miraculous signs to show off his power. Our God reveals his power, the power of life over death, when we are in the wilderness. We are saved from death by looking at the thing that is killing us by looking at death itself. What about us here today? What about us? Are we wandering in a wilderness? Are we thirsting for a close, lasting relationship? Hungering for a marriage, a relationship with a child or a friend, to go back to the way it once was, to pomegranates and figs and Krispy Kremes? Is anyone helpless against a chronic illness or paralyzed by facing an impossible task? Scared, just scared of losing a job or losing your spouse to a terminal illness or losing a troubled teen to suicide? Some of you may not be aware of having any of these problems right now, but 
do you find that you seek distractions often so you do not have to look at that overwhelming, inescapable, scary thing? I remember sitting in the chemo room at Memorial Sloan Kettering when my late husband was dying of a terminal cancer. He knew he was dying. I remember reading one action spy novel after another. Jeez, crazy, stupid novels. But anything to distract me from the fact that we were sitting there um, waiting for him to die. Distractions are something we seek when we don't want to look. I once asked a young mom with a child with incurable epilepsy, Karen, where does your strong faith come from? And she said, when you're in the back of an ambulance with your three-year-old child and the blue light is flashing and you're racing through the streets of Belfast and you don't know if your child will even be alive when they get to the ER, there's no one else but God. When I asked a man with a world-famous healing ministry what to do, could he heal somehow the chronic mental illness of my 20-year-old daughter, he said, thank God for your problems because they make you trust in him and then rest in the kingdom reality. I had no idea what that meant. What I wanted was for him to take the mental illness away. In 1996, when I went to receive prayer at a church in central London, I began to cry and then sob uncontrollably, which is not done in Knightsbridge in central London, but I was sobbing, crazy American woman. I was about to invite the rector and his assistant minister to come and teach about evangelism for two days in New York City, and I had no money for inviting people, I had no money to feed the people, I had no church lined up to host the event, and the speakers told me they expected to see a 500 to 1,000 people there to make their trip from London worthwhile. Furthermore, I had not yet asked the bishop's permission to allow these Church of England visitors to teach in the Diocese of New York. I was pretty worried. Finally, a young woman prayer minister got to me, and through my sobs I said, God is asking me to do something I know I cannot do. And the young woman said, that's what God asks all of us to do because then we have to trust him completely. Shall we pray? Being in the wilderness means feeling frustrated and angry, helpless, at the end of my rope, hopeless, scared, sometimes just scared. Former Bishop of New York Paul Moore was a Marine who fought in the battle at Guadalcanal in World War II against the Japanese. I'll never forget a sermon he preached once where he said, one night I was hunkered down in a ditch with a bunch of my buddies and all this fire was coming at us and my friends were getting killed right, left, all around me, blood everywhere, blood everywhere. And he said, I thought of the cross. The bloody cross of Jesus was the only thing from my previous life, which was sort of a nice part of New Jersey and St. Paul's School and Yale and the only thing from my previous life that made sense in that ditch. And he said, I, he went like this. Paul was about six foot six. And he, he put his arms up like this and he said, I clung to that cross, that bloody cross, the whole night. Angry, helpless, hopeless, scared. Those feelings are signs of total surrender 
no one else but God. People, the moment of surrender does not feel good. There's no fix, there's no success, there's no relief, there's no answer, there's no cure. It's a wilderness place. It's a desert place. Are any of you there today? Is anyone you love there today? Have you ever been there? You cannot will our, we cannot will ourselves to that total surrender. It comes as a gift from outside of us, a gift from God, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit floods the freed, empty space we call despair. I'll say that again. The Holy Spirit floods the freed, empty space we call despair. The Holy Spirit floods us, fills us, pours over and around and under and through our souls and bodies like the protective waters of the amniotic sac, the waters of a birth of the flesh. The waters of the Holy Spirit protect and participate in the birth of the human spirit. We are born again, or from above, same word in the Greek. We are born again. We're born into the love of God in us, the joy of God in us, the peace of God in us. I remember one night about four months before my late husband died in 2014, he knew it was incurable, his cancer, knew he was gonna die, and one night he um, went to bed, we were asleep all night. The following Sunday, we're driving back to Manhattan from Long Island, and he said, did I tell you what happened on Friday night? I said, no, what happened Friday night? He said, well, didn't you hear me singing? I said, no, I did not hear you singing. And, uh, well, you must have heard me because I was singing, and he went on and on, didn't you hear me singing? I said, no. He said, well, I don't know what, well, I was awake or asleep or what, but there was this amazing bright orange light, and I was filled with the most amazing love and joy and peace. Weren't, didn't you hear me singing? And I said, no, I did not hear you singing. What are you talking about? And then he said, well, I, I can hear the melody, and I can hear the words. We're singing, we are here, Lord, we are here. And he said, you were there too, Nance. You were singing with me. Weren't you singing with me on Friday night? And I was kind of annoyed at the time. I said, no, I absolutely was not singing with you. What, you're ridiculous. But after he died, and having gone through the last four months of his life right to the end with him, he never lacked peace. He had accepted what was coming. He was never afraid. Right up till when he took his very last breath, he had that peace. He'd been shown where he was going. He actually said to me when he told me about it, if that's what heaven is like, I can't wait to get there. He'd been shown the kingdom reality. That's when I finally understood Jim Glennon's words. He'd been shown the kingdom reality and he was filled with peace. Now another thing is born in us besides love and joy and peace. Faith is born in us. The Greek word in the New Testament that's usually translated faith is pistis, which is really better translated trust. The trust that draws your eyes up when you are down, when everyone around you is dying of snake bite or Japanese fire, when you're in the ambulance with the blue light flashing, when the doctors say there is no cure, when God is telling you to do something you know you cannot do. 
Moses lifted up a bronze, lifeless image of death to save those who looked up. In Jesus, God himself was lifted up high on a cross, not an image of a man, but a flesh and blood man, so that we who are mired in the dust and despair of this fallen world may look up and see injustice, failure, humiliation, pain, and death, that we may look up and trust we may look up and live. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.